Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily. How are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I'm thirsty. Are you wine thirsty? I'm wine thirsty. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty fantastic. Yeah. Got a little excitement happening around the house. I should have a new fence by the by the weekend. That's amazing. Um, and you're actually doing the yeah. work yourself. Well, with my with my sons. I mean, that's so I I'll hopefully I'll have a new fence and all my fingers at the end of the weekend. <laughs> that's the goal. Right. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. And a new privacy fence and you know, it'll just kind of uh, sort of transform the backyard. Yeah, you're getting you, you definitely are creating quite a sanctuary back there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. So, what about you? You know, I am uh, in the midst of uh, acquiring a company, <laughs> you know, and and um, starting my my new my other new job and um, you know hosting events and all kinds of things, and it's been pretty pretty great. And that in tandem with what we're developing here and and what's happening with our show this season. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just I'm kind of living in the clouds right now. Yeah, it's like, almost like pitch me, right? Right. It's so it's so awesome. Pitch me, make sure it's for real. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. good, good. Well, we have uh, another great guest t- today on today's episode and another yeah. fabulous bottle of wine. But let's go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll bring in our guest, Frankie Ruprex. Yes. Hello, Frankie. Hi. Now, some of you may recognize uh, Frankie Ruprecht from mm-hmm. our time of the month in May. Our, um, we did a uh, feature on the Cherokee Street virtual silent auction and Frankie and her uh, co-conspirator, uh, <laughs> Crew Jones, <laughs> Crew Jones yes. uh, were wonderful guests on that time of the month. And we had already talked with Frankie about doing an episode mm-hmm. with us uh, for the podcast. And uh, she has finally been able to find time in her schedule to spend time with us, uh, and we are so happy that you are available today. I am happy to be here. <laughs> Always a good time with the two of you. Yeah. Did you oh, have a good time on the time of the month? I did. We had such a good time. It was so fun to talk about the auction, and um, it just was It just was great. It was fun. It was, it was great. fun. Well, Frankie's been um, someone that we've wanted to have a conversation with on on the show for a, a long time. Frankie, you and I, we've crossed paths like just organically in St. Louis, mm-hmm. like through you know for the last couple of years. You know, it's like yeah. we've run into each other. Yeah. Like, hey, you look cool. You're wearing the most amazing thing. <laughs> you're like, hey, you're cool, and we're at the same music venue, <laughs> and and we just keep circling around each other. You know, we have mutual friends, multiple layers of mutual friends. And um, and, and it's been always a delightful to sp- surprise to see you. You're like, oh, you hit, you're friends with them too. Okay, you know. So it's just awesome that we have all these Very connection points. Connection yeah. story. Correct. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And we're neighbors. Like, 
be that's Arnie. Also cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's super fun. We 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 live in a great part of the city. Mm, so diverse and lively and full of love and spirit. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm, it is. Yeah. So what are you drinking? I am drinking this. I know this is a wine <laughs> show. And I'm not sure if it's backward or not. No, it's, no. it's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am not necessarily a wine drinker. I love um, Vino Verde. I love Rosé. Um, I'm not like a wine drinker, but I am a bourbon and really my favorite is rye. Mm-hmm. And this is um, Switchgrass Spirits. This is uh, our very own St. Louis distillery. Oh. But um, they really focus on bourbon and, and rye and brandy and things like that. And they are um, only a couple of years old and just, uh, it's an amazing concept with amazing people. And I think they make an amazing product. Okay. So this is, this is their rye. What's the price and, point on a bottle of their rye? Um, price point on this, the, the, part of their mission is to do um, whiskey for the people. Their, their company is all co-owned by the employees mm. and they really want to keep their product um, affordable. So it's about, I think, oh, I hope I don't misquote this. I think I saw it at Schnucks for 27 That is a good price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's in it's in all of the places you would expect in St. Louis. It is. But uh, it is. Sw- they- the Switchgrass Spirits uh, ship to any, if any of our listeners uh, who are not in St. Louis? No. I don't know, but it's switchgrassspirits.com. Okay. That would be mm. what you look for it. And they, they do self-distill. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. They do self-distribute. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Um, already t- I, I have already actually had a little bit, so, you know. Um, <laughs> they so self-distribute. So <laughs> <laughs> right? They're right. on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't go through, you know, the, the typical kind of distribution arms. They do it themselves. Okay. Um, in fact, I just talked to Jerry today about connecting him with um, uh, kind of a, a, a local third or fourth generation um, grocery store catering company called Westwood Catering mm. um, that's connected to my family. And not that my family, well, we all worked there. That's how we're connected. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First jobs. Um, and I grew up with uh, Susie Westerback, who now owns it and rents mm, it with her. Okay. Um, so we're going to try to mm. get them in there, see if there's a connection. There seems to be a good um, connection on like, um, values and social responsibility and, nice. and things like that. so yeah. um and now well, is a, a I, just, I need to explain to our listeners why uh frankie has the option to choose to drink whatever she wants is that she's connecting with us through zoom today mm-hmm. because if she were in the if she were in the studio <laughs> with us we'd have forced this bottle of wine down her throat <laughs> because we are, we are ruthless like that <laughs> you i, I would have Happily. Uh, but yeah, tonight I just opened this up. So this isn't in the stores yet. It will be in there. I think it's July 31st, so a couple of days. Oh, wow. I got, got a sneak their, taste. Um, their Rye 100 Club. Oh. Um, it is oh, it's delightful. It's like caramel. Mm, that sounds amazing. It's just how rye should taste. If it were a panty, what kind of panty would it be? <laughs> so lecherous, didn't it? Leopard print. I'm like, <laughs> it would be leopard print. It would be, oh. definitely be leopard. Yeah, 
of whatever of whatever is most comfortable for you. I love it. <laughs> it's okay. a comfortable leopard. I actually have it for yeah. all of my big cats to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> some furry, some not. Just as long as it's smooth. Ooh. Very smooth yeah. and comfortable. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Well, we are, we in the studio are We're doing wine. A, yeah, uh, we're staying true to our brand here. We're drinking Italian wine uh, by Paolo Manzoni. It's a Dolcetto d'Alba from 2019. Um, this particular uh, uh, label is Magna. Um you know, this is pretty yummy. We got it from our, um, you know, our friends, the wine merchant. They sell it for, you know, $12, $13. And, uh, you know, pretty much on the market, you're going to find it around 20 So it's pretty good price yeah. point. I find on the nose, I get the cherry, I get red cola, pepper, some licorice, even some eucalyptus. And I find that that cherry and licorice and a little hint of that eucalyptus comes through on the palate. That's what I'm getting in the early stages of this bottle. Very interesting, kind of herbaceous and fruity all at once. I think it's lovely. What about you? Well, I think it's a lovely wine as well. I think that the the sniff Mm -hmm. is stronger right now than the sip. Mm. Like and and it's so to me it's sort of sure, like I agree with that. it doesn't um, uh, the sip doesn't you're expecting something different mm, and but the vanilla. sip the sip is very it's very smooth um, I have no idea what eucalyptus tastes like so I'm just gonna let you have that one <laughs> I'm not gonna think Vicks oh well right Vicks is like eucalyptus yeah. right but I'm getting some vanilla too by the way on the back end I'm getting a lot of grape. A lot of grape. A lot of of really good grape. A lot of good red grape. (laughs) Little Welch's. (laughs) Kind of like like a plump grape. Like Mm. a plump, plump, sweaty grape. Uh That's what I'm getting. It's been working out. Yeah. Jelly daughter. It's been working out in the sun, 95 degree weather. Like a a summer grape, you know, a hot summer grape. No, it's it's delightful. I can't wait to continue to drink this. Um, But for some reason, if if this were a panty... I, I'm seeing like a pair of panties that are maybe like a leather with some mm-hmm. satin connection, but with enough like like little holes, not holes, but uh, holders. D-rings. Or, that, I don't know. <laughs> not necessarily D-rings. But like, you know, so, so you could put your, you could either put like your flog or your, yeah. or your screwdriver, you know, whatever okay, you the, need. Yeah, it needs you know, the, so, yeah. yeah, like you might, you might want to like throw in like a little, like a paddle there. Yeah. Or you dom- might, it's a dominatrix. Yeah. Or you might want to throw in, you know, like, like your paintbrush. Yeah. I know? mean, those are, those are D like, hooks, right? That right this point has work to do. It does. Oh. It does have work to and, do. And, and what a payoff yeah. for it for you when you're done with the work. Mm. That's what this wine is all about to me. The payoff at the end. Everything's always about the payoff at the end, <laughs> Emily. You know, I only do things in life because of the payoff at the end. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it takes a really long time to get to that payoff, but damn it, I'm... All in. <laughs> well, and we all define our payoff differently, right? Sometimes the payoff is is monetary. Sometimes it's 
a good orgasm. Sometimes it's a great meal. Sometimes it's a great conversation. Sometimes it's friendship. Like payoff can mean a wide variety of things. It, it, well, it can. And mm-hmm. um, and for for me, all of those things seem to take a really long time these days. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in. I'm in till the end. We're gonna get committed. There. We're gonna get fully there. committed. <laughs> At least to the bottom of this bottle. <laughs> committed to the bottom See, of the bottle. Frankie already knows oh, us. She knows that we're that. we're all in till the wine Here. is gone. Yes. Right. Thankfully, well, your bottle is new, and we don't expect you to finish your bottle along with us. <laughs> but no judgment if you do. <laughs> That's right. I hope we might though. You might. You never know. Yeah. You never know. You never know where the night will take us. Yeah. So. And I. Right. I miss that about the before times. Mm, I know. Right. That's just yeah. calling it these days, the before times. Yes. 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 I think it has an epic historical tone to it, the before times. Mm. Mm. Because there will never be the before times again. No. Well, I think we'll be different. Yeah. Yeah. We are. And I think some things uh, about that are good. Yeah. I think things will be cleaner. I hope so. They already are. There we are. You know. Yeah. Not my house, but uh, <laughs> other things are cleaner. But I've been doing a lot of dishes, a lot of dishes, because, you know, I've been cooking because of home yeah. with the kids and stuff like that. And it's like, I'll, I'll, every day I'm just running the dishwasher. And I've actually become so um, laissez faire about the dishwasher is that even if it's not completely full, I'm running that sucker because yeah. I don't mind actually emptying the dishwasher when it's like half full. Yeah. Doesn't seem to take as long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just run it. Just, put, just. Run I'm it. running that sucker. I like that. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. I'm living on the edge. So I can just always, <laughs> I can just always order more dishwasher packets, you know, on yeah. Amazon and have it True. delivered in a couple days. Yeah. It's like why? Why do that? Why wait till it's everything's packed in there so tight? That you that it takes you half hour to unload. You're like, this is ridiculous. I could be you know, doing that something is, else. Well, and you know, think about that. Like that whole that whole mindset. Like we're loading the dishwasher to get every last inch to maximize that little packet. That is coming from a mindset of exactly. Scarcity. You know, as opposed to being yeah. like, you know what? I like having a clean house and clean dishes. You know, I'm gonna. Just clean the one rack and put them away. And there's always going to be more ways to clean these dishes. There's always going to be more food. There's always going to be more meals, you know. And and when I only have to empty a half a dishwasher, I feel that reward so much sooner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like more instantaneous. Look at me. I empty the dishwasher. I put everything away. <laughs> extra points. I got extra points for that. So accomplished today. I did the dishes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so it's a little rewards. Yeah, and I think those re- rewarding ourselves on a, in in acknowledging that is important. Especially, I mean, it's always important. Period. But here we are in this time of isolation and less connection, and honoring the things that you know make us feel good. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, what's been. Uh, going to be hard is uh, with all of the continuing growth in the cases 
and the new restrictions or old restrictions putting back in place and yeah. you know in St. Louis County and 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 I just I I wonder how how we will do um uh isolating again. I mean, you and I are so happy to be here in the studio right. with each other, you know, um, as opposed to the three months, three and a yeah. half months where we were yeah. doing all, all of hard. this stuff. It was really hard. Online. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I, I have a lot of faith in what Shock City does and the cleaning and, and um, I don't, I don't have any, any feeling of, um, that we're at risk here. Right. Still, and we've done a very good job of quarantining and quarantining. So like, right, right. you yeah. know, I feel yeah, I, there's comfort here, but, but it is still scary. Like going out there just to go grocery shop, you know, it's, yeah. it's because there are people who aren't respecting the boundaries who, there are people who think it's a ruse, a political game, a, and that to me is just astounding because you just have to look at the science. You just have to look at the data to see that it's not a ruse. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if they say that if this, this is all cre- created and made up by the Democrats to make uh, Trump look bad, it's like, really? If you think we had the ability to have an entire world mm-hmm. pretend to have a virus just so oh. you could look bad, don't you think we would have done better in the 2016 elections? Right. <laughs> don't you think that we would have been better? Yeah. So, um, and I know... You didn't need a virus to look bad. Whoa. Oh, right. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh-huh. I didn't hear that. Yeah, you you, you can say that again oh, if I, you need to. Well, I, I think I that that should be printed on a mask that mm-hmm. everybody at it the White House could wear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, how are things going? I know that you have uh, transitioned out of your you know long time corporate world have yes um i don't think i'm ever going back it was a great experience in 25 years of my life but um holy cow i am really happy not to be behind the desk yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. just living my life and um taking a little bit of a break i i am fortunate that um you know, because of my years of experience there, I, I did get some, they're not calling it severance, but I got some assistance from the company. Okay. So I'm really, really, really fortunate in that way. Um, you know, if, if like so many of, of the, the people that I know, if my income had dried up overnight, like the industry people yeah. that, that we um, are friends with and that, that we rely on to, to, quite frankly, for so many things, I mean, their, their income dried up overnight. Mm-hmm. If that had happened to me, um, I wouldn't be saying that I'm that I'm not that mad about this layoff. But um, that wasn't the case for me, and uh, I'm not mad about it. I'm really I'm <laughs> I am easing into retirement quite well. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to go. Um, but it's it's given me an opportunity. It's given me the the break that I've needed um, ever since my husband died. Because all I've wanted is is kind of everything to stop. So sorry, I may have manifested this mm. uh, break for all of us. Sorry. No, no, I don't uh, think it, I don't think you we can put all of that on you. You know, no, not all of it. Yeah. I mean, but um, yeah. quarantine for me was not. I mean, parts of it were um, uncomfortable and lonely and things like that, of course. But um, parts of it were a little bit of a breath of fresh air because I got to have a break from any any 
uh, commitments. Well, you know, if you, how long did you work a corporate career? Almost 25 years. It would have been 25 years. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's okay to be unapologetic about the fact that you're, you're ready for something new. You know, you, you obviously had a, a very traumatic life switch fairly recently, which I, you know, hope we can talk about a little bit more, but, sure. you know, we've got, you know, uh, I think our paths when we're young, most of us don't have a real clear idea of where we really want to be and who we really are. And so we kind of go down this path that that feels right, socially speaking, par- you know, the parents' approval. There's all these things that help mm. us decide where we're going to go. And 25 years later, you know, saying— I'm okay redefining my life now. Like I have a very solid sense of who I am as a person. I've lived, I've lost, you know, things that are important to me. And it's time, it's time to live life on my own terms. I think that's a really powerful place to be. Yeah, it it is. Um, It really is. You know, I spent so many years working um, and, and this isn't anything against GE. GE is a great company to work for with lots of opportunities. Um, but you work, mm-hmm. you work. Um, it's it, the last job that I had. It, I, I could do that in about 40, 50 hours a week. Um, that was an anomaly mm-hmm. for my entire career. Um, the last job that I had before this, which was um, five of the last six years of Armin's life, I worked about 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Typical. There were some weeks that I worked 120 hours. Wow. When I switched jobs again within the company and took the job that I have now or had had um, that I left or got laid off from, I'm still working on the language clearly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was, you know, a 40 hour or so a week job. And uh, I remember Armin saying, I was cooking dinner and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. cooking dinner. He's like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to mm-hmm. be so great. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a, a godsend that I switched jobs when I did. I didn't know what was coming. Mm. But, um, and, and looking back, oh, I will never, unless it's my own business and my passion and it really fulfills my life, which probably would include my closest people, right? Right. I'm never going to work 80 hours a week again. Oh my gosh, no. You know, that, yeah. all that time was spent working for... Um, Someone else's dream, know, right? The what? Someone else's dream. Someone else's. Well, and not really even someone else's. Mm-hmm. A corporation is, you know, um, it's for the stockholders. And it's really just like we were just talking about. It's really just about making money. Um, and that's no no shame on that Mm -hmm. make money but um i'm gonna make money a different way and so i this has given me a a chance to kind of reevaluate my relationship with money i I think i worked so long at ge's um partially because of my relationship with money and so now i have a chance to redefine that as well which is Mm. sounds very liberating great sounds like you, you, you sound very liberated you know, like, like you've, you've been freed from. Uh, that is exactly how I described it. I was like, it's my first day of freedom. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. 
I, and it also other things align with my my values and my um, focus and what I think is important. You know, so hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially as I get close to like running out of money. <laughs> I may come back on the show and be like, I'm singing a different tune. It's like, here's my resume. Yeah. This is what I can do. This is my GoFundMe. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I worked in corporate America for, you know, less than five years. I mean, I've worked other, like I worked in not-for-profit. I worked, you know, um, yeah, that's pretty much government. And, you know, and I work, work in government now. But I uh, worked in corporate America for for less than five years, and then when uh, a couple of years ago, when it was uh, there was a little like uh, worry that my agency was going to be going away, I started having these dreams, and I knew they were anxiety dreams. And one dream, and you guys are going to laugh. I'd like your interpretation of it as well. I was started a new job, and it was at a corporation, right? Some you know corporate work job. Yeah. It was my first day on the job, and I go, and I don't have any shoes on, and oh. I spend the whole day trying to pull my pants over my toes so nobody <laughs> can tell that I don't have any shoes oh. on. <laughs> like, that is shoes are a foundation, right? I, I, I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a dream interpreter other than going, well, I guess you don't ever want to work for a corporation again. <laughs> it was like, it, it wasn't, I, well, I, I, I showed up like with. Being, I feel like being barefoot is almost like our natural state. Yeah. You know, but like the fact were, that you were afraid oh. to be in that natural state, right? But you were trying to cover it up. You felt right. like. Well, I didn't want anybody to notice that I didn't have any shoes on because then I might lose my job. So maybe it's all I don't want people to know who I really am. They might fire me. Well, you definitely let people know who you are here. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> right. 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 So so I was like, I just remember waking up and going, wow, that was crazy, Michelle. Because I, you know how you like pull your pants down over your toes? You know how you can like stretch yeah. your pants? I was like, so I was walking around the office <laughs> in my dream with my pants stretched over my toes. An orientation. I think it's interesting that, okay, so this is so interesting because, like, the fact that you were wearing pants even. You know, like, I I would have been, if it was my dream and I was going to work for the first time, I'd be wearing a dress because I wear dresses all the time. Like, so what does that signify that you were wearing pants? Like, there's a power play in wearing pants, but you were barefoot. So that's like a vulnerability you know, and then you're trying to cover that. I think that's very intriguing. When was this dream? This was a couple of years ago. When pre-podcast, uh, or like right after the podcast, when there was Watched. all that talk about, you know, merging. The night was concerned. Okay, all right, a little concerned, but I, I haven't had that dream since. Okay, yeah, but I was like, well, obviously, you just don't. I can't do corporate. I can't do corporate. <laughs> I, I and I know that I'm very very happy in the job that I have, um, and I have been very happy there for six, fourteen years, mm -hmm. and um, because it's perfect for my personality, because it afford, I because I can do things like this podcast. Like if I if either of us were working a job or at mm. eighty to hundred hours a week, we couldn't do this podcast. Mm. Yeah, there's we, definitely we really have time for anything. Well, aside from the time factor, there's also the, you know, I, I've, I did the corporate thing too. And, and, you know, 
my individual voice didn't matter. In fact, it was frowned upon. Like I, I had to tone my personality down. I had to tone my dress down. I had to do like I had to not be me to be successful. And which, which is incredibly sad. I was successful in it, but I was dying inside because I wasn't me. You know, and so I, I you know, I, yeah, I think that's. Well, but then there are people who are very, there are women and men who are very successful in the corporate world. And and, and that's where they, they should be. They, and, they thrive there. And, right. you know, and just as we need, we need people to be successful in the corporate. We need people to be successful at the, at the industry level, you know, you better. At the labor level, to, all of them, right? We need to have There's the, nothing inherently wrong with the, you know, C-corp structure. It doesn't necessarily breed it doesn't necessarily mean like in the legal definition of a C corp that you, that you have to do this, this, and this, but, um, our culture has, has led to, a um, a, a lack of individuality, a lack of, of individual voices. Yeah. In that space. Um, and maybe that'll change. Maybe, um, yeah. maybe that's one of the good things of, of this, of this, a uh, significant change for our culture. Uh, yeah, I think there's some of the the younger, hipper kind of companies that some of the like when the young tech dot com companies came into play. They were all about personality, and you know, and 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 I think it is a. I do think it's a misstep, uh, even in corporations. To you know, you're hiring talent. You hope you're hiring talent. You're I, you, yeah, you know, why not? Why not embrace their their who they really are to connect with the clients in that you know in a very meaningful way? Like you're going to have loyalty beyond what you ever had with with really letting people shine. You know? Well, do you think it's because we operate as a, in a society from the scarcity mindset? You know, they always think that, you know, there's only uh, one pie and there's mm. only so much in that pie. And if, if I give all of us equal parts, yeah, you know, when I really, I think I get, I should get two thirds because I worked harder than you did on yeah. this pie. As opposed to, you know, like if it's a corporation, oh, I keep, I, I, I only have this much money. I can't, I can't uh, spend it. Rather than everybody works and and creates a much bigger pie, right? Like an infinite pie between the patriarchy and the matriarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I think scarcity and competition is inherent in patriarchy, mm-hmm. and I think what you described, um, Michelle, is inherently matriarchal, where we can all kind of work together and thrive together and that's success. And yeah. and I have I have another anecdote to like to put the button on that. Mm-hmm. When I was uh after I'd had my first do- my first child, my daughter, and then I was pregnant with my second child and I was uh, talking to my my secretary at the time at the and the group that I worked at and she was an older woman had four kids and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm happy to be pregnant. I was excited about it, and but I was worried at the same time because how was I able to love 
the new baby as much as I love my my daughter. And she said to me, she goes, the thing about it is, is that a mother's heart just grows and expands. We expand love. Love is not finite. Love just grows and grows. And you will love every child that you have as much as that first child. No one is going to be less loved because of it. Wow. And Does that overlap the widow experience? Pardon me? That really overlaps the widow experience. So, so break that down a little bit more. Share with me. What, what so, just, just like when you have your second child, then how could you possibly love another human being like you love your your first child? But your love grows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've had people say to me, um, "How could you ever love somebody as much as Armin?" And I'm like, "What?" Like, like. No, love, love isn't finite. Love isn't scarce. I don't have to divide it up. Yeah. Right. Because through this experience, my, my love for myself and for people and for love in general has, um, what is the right word? Expanded. Uh, expanded, expanded, but in like an exponential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like exploded. I, like exploding, but in a good way. Yeah. The word is for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it compounded. This, yes, it compounded. Yeah. Um, well, because there isn't scarcity of it. There's not a scarcity of love. And let me ask you this: uh, just this philosophical take on that. That belief in love, and I believe it too, that it grows, it expands, that it's infinite. That's a solace to somebody who's lost someone they love so deeply because if you feel that it's finite then you feel that it'll never happen again mm-hmm. oh for sure yeah and that would be i mean maybe i've made choice i think maybe we all make choices in in how we look at the world the lens that we look through but my choice is definitely to believe that i can love like that again and be loved like that again because without that that's a very grim reality yeah that means living the rest of my life not ever being loved like that again Oof. Aside from from shoot, making no, that choice, <laughs> go for the poor, drink from the bottle, <laughs> right? No, Aside. seriously, and that isn't that isn't um, like what I just did. There is a very true thing. Yeah, I think you know, well, grief we, we can certainly take you down that path. Better. You know, making that choice though, again, out of a saying. Uh, you know, I, I I don't want to not love again out of fear that I can't love again. Like that's again like a mag- like a negative right road path. I, I kind of like to think of I think love is kind of like a muscle, right? Um, and so you go to the gym, you work out, your muscles get stronger. The you know you're you th- more you 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 drink wine your taste buds grow to develop the taste for nuances for wine and I think love is the same way like what you're talking about Michelle you have more children more love grows it's the same kind of thing the more you practice it the more orgasms you have the more you have the capacity to have them it's the same kind of thing right yes so it really is. yeah so. You know, make the conscious choice to say, I don't have to end it here. In fact, the whole world 
me, of course, is included in that, has everything to benefit by me exercising more love. I think what what might be interesting to explore, though, is, um, you know, is there any shame you know, tied to that. So socially speaking, like if you're a widow, right? And you're, you're like, Hey, I want to exercise that love muscle, right? Is there shame or regret or what are the emotions tied to that dynamic? I would say, um, I'm pretty good at deflecting shame. (laughs) 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 Um, People who know me well will probably laugh at that, but, um, but so I'm going to, I'm going to term it as judgment. Okay. Okay. And I would say this, that everything a widow does is judged. Um, It doesn't matter when you start eating again, what you do with your job, if you move, if you don't move, if you change your hair, if you don't change your hair, if you gain weight, don't gain weight, lose weight, mm. whatever. Everything is judged. It's and, tied to um, that, right? Yes. Yeah. Everything is judged. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has something that they want to tell you that, that they should, that you should do. Um, and really, I, I, I think what that is, is that, um, I've experienced something that we all know will happen. We will lose someone we love, um, undoubtedly. If we're loving at all, we will lose Mm -hmm. them. So we know that like in the back of our lizard brain, right? Mm -hmm. But it's so painful, we don't want to see it. We we don't want to think about it. So um, I think rather than kind of deal with that, people have ways of kind of, um, oh, trying to work around it or um, trying to make it better or uh, you know, that type of thing. So, so yeah, there's, there's so much judgment. It's, it's shocking. More than you found being judged as just as a woman, I feel like we're constantly mm. being judged, but like mm. as soon as you mm. had the widow moniker being added, yes, it, you felt like it, you know, like regular, you know, life before judgment, yeah. life is a widow judgment. Really? Okay. Oh, it's off the and, and is it? Off does it matter from the get go? Because you, you're, you're young. I mean, like, um, like, yeah. If you were a seventy-five year old widow. Yeah. Yes, and and that's true with most most death. You know, when um, the 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 death of your child isn't supposed to happen, right? Right. You're not supposed to bury your child. They're supposed to bury you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so when death happens, when it shouldn't happen, people don't know what to do. Right. Um, and there's much more to it. So yeah, when you become a widow in your seventies or eighties, when it's, which I'm saying this because it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when that- uh, it makes it harder because you've had even more years with this person or maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but, um, yeah, when when death happens, when it when it isn't supposed to, when it's unexpected, um, when it's unexpected, you know, right? You know, um, much like yeah, the hundred fifty thousand people who've died, whose families have had loved ones die of COVID, right? Unexpected. Yeah. yeah, it really gets to me when politicians put the risk in terms of percentages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so low. What one percent? One percent of our population would still be three million people. Wow, that's really dehumanizing, yeah. isn't it? 
I mean, it, it and it really chafes me. Mm-hmm. Really get like if I focus on that. That'll really get me down. Well, we don't want to get you down. We don't want to get you down. But we were talking <laughs> no, about I, I to protect my myself, like on a day to day basis. Like, what am I going to think about? What am I going to put mm-hmm. my my mind on? Because if I think about some of the crassness of of our culture, um, that's too much. So I have to keep myself healthy mentally. Okay? Yeah. So how long um, has it been since your husband passed away? Five and a half years. It'll be six years October first. Okay. So are you able to describe what the first six months of post uh, after his death, what, what that was like for you? Yeah. The first three months were shock. Um, and the next three months were drinking. Was this, uh, can, I'm sorry, cause I, I'm sorry to even go further into this story a little bit. I'm curious, um, you know, was it expected or unexpected? No. It wasn't expected. No, it was okay. unexpected and in front of me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of the, I don't know what's worse. You know, we didn't have to go through years of sickness, mm-hmm. right? You didn't have to suffer. Yeah. On the other hand, we didn't have years to say everything that we wanted to say. Yeah. To prepare. And yeah. and getting used, getting Used to the idea that he would be gone. I don't think you ever get used to it, but at least you have some awareness that time is short. Some preparation. We didn't. We didn't have that. So, yeah, yeah it was. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty traumatizing. Um, and how yeah, long so we, had you been together? We had been together. I believe it was eighteen years total. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh. I was yeah. 44. He was 57. So we were about 13 years apart. Okay. Um, he lied about his age to date me. <laughs> Somehow he knew. Somehow he, he met when I was 25. So he was 35. Oh, okay. Somehow he knew that I wouldn't, or no, he was 38. Yeah. Somehow he knew that if he told me that I that he was 38, I would have been like, no. So he told me that he was 35. He recanted <laughs> it years later and then took it back. I'm like, he doesn't <laughs> It doesn't work that way, but um, he was a Pisces, and that's, uh, you know, reality is very... uh, Uh, Perception. It's uh, their own perception. Yes, exactly, exactly. So so you've been married 18 years when he passed, and you said the first three months were shock, the second three months were drinking. Yeah, yeah, the first three months were, um, it was such a, 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 it's something I hope I never have to experience again. And I wouldn't wish on anybody, but the, yeah, the first three months were pretty much shock. Um, and then that wore off shock, shock. I've learned that shock is kind of a comfort hmm. it's a buffer. It's okay. our mind going, you're not ready for all of right. this. <laughs> you yeah, can't of course. all in and you really can't. So we're just going to anesthetize you for a little while Yeah, until you're ready to take more in. And that happened in about January. Um, and then, um, I could burn through bourbon, like, like a champ. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I really think because the anxiety kicked in, the shock wore off, the reality of my situation kicked in. And, um, I really, I could drink so much more than I could now. Mm. Shockingly. Um, but again, that, that's also another kind of survival response. Sure. Um, it's that heightened state 
once shock wears off of anxiety and just everything's amped you know, up. I, I so think- a little bit of sedative brought it down. And then about maybe six months after that, I, I termed it that um, the bourbons turned on me because <laughs> I just couldn't. It would bring me, uh, th- then I, I got to the point where if I drank too much, I would go too dark. Sure. Because the anxiety was was ebbing mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and we get a little bit better. Um, even though it doesn't sound like it, it got better, uh, that was actually a good sign probably that I wasn't so amped up that I could drink so much and not have an effect. Like I was burning it off. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you think, um, and this is open this question for, for both of you, um, it's commentary on our society. Grief is like the heart, like a really hard emotion for us to process as a friend of somebody who's grieving or as somebody is who's grieving it feels like it is it is the lonely the loneliest emotion oh it is that we that we experience the loneliest emotion that i've dealt with i i think i i always feel helpless when i see someone going through grief because i want to Help, you know what, but we, you don't know. We should talk about how? that. Like, yeah, that's a really good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because on and honestly, that's the way through it. What do you I mean? I feel I don't know what to do for you, and I wish mm-hmm. I could. I yeah. wish I could take it. That um, vulnerability is so welcomed mm-hmm. um, because not having that. Um, we don't know what to do, but we try to do something and typically we'll do the wrong thing. Right. Um, because we're forcing that, an idea that is of our own experience on someone else. And it's yeah. not necessarily the other person's experience socially, right. culturally, familially, like you know, no matter, you know, and, yeah. And that translates to lots of areas of our, of our lives, like, mm-hmm. um, like racially. Mm-hmm. And we're all white, right? We should not assume to know what the black experience is. Absolutely. And it is yeah. okay to say, I don't know what, because I've never experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and, and let me learn how to help. Let me right. learn how to be an ally. Mm-hmm. Let me get educated on what it, what life is like in this country for people of color and indigenous people. Um, like when men, don't understand what it's like to be a woman. Mm-hmm. It's really refreshing when they, when they, that when they have that self awareness, right? And then they try to get educated and try to learn and try to get that. Ask experience. questions, right? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, so what's what is it that scares us as a society about grief? About that, I mean, vulnerability, unknown, the, and the and the pain, the utter emotional pain, the, the pain, the loneliness, and the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because we can't; it's not something you can just fix. It isn't. I mean, the the way to fix it is to bring that per that person would never have died. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the fix. And a friend of mine lost her brother unexpectedly. You know, he uh, was young; he was thirty nine, heart attack. Um, and, uh, and we, I went to the memorial service and when I, I thought the pastor, you know, and I, and what's, I thought what he said was, uh, brilliant. And he said, the thing about death is, is like, don't you, he said, 
let let yourself let that expectation that life is going to be the same because it's never going to be the same that person is not in your life so every that person is no longer living mm-hmm. so everything that you experience that that they were there is never going to be the same mm-hmm. so don't try so so it's okay that it's not the same and to sort of and he, I, I've not done a very good job of of explaining no, what he beautiful. was saying I, I, I do I mean, and, and that applies to everything we're living in right now. The yeah, before time. yeah. And now with COVID and what will happen, that expectation and that that here's what I I think, um, and and this these are the people that I've struggled with the most, and some in my family, and some not, or some just strangers or whatever. Um, but when we have an idea and an expectation of how life will be, and we cling to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't allow for it doesn't serve us and yeah. it, it doesn't serve us and it doesn't allow for change and um, I think the scariest part of the grief experience is the absurdity of 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 life meaning that we are even though we've lived you know however long we've lived human life is extremely fragile yeah and any one of us could be gone tomorrow yeah mm-hmm. or in an hour um, and that is not <laughs> something that people want to to have in their brain. It's like trying to keep this idea that it could all be over in an hour with let's plan for the future. Uh-huh. And that's mm-hmm. a really difficult thing to do. Um, and letting go of how we think life should be. There, there of course, is a balance there, right? Mm-hmm. Can't all be chaos. Mm-hmm. We have to yeah. we have to decide how we want to be. But having an idea of what will happen or um, how life is going to be, being open to it not fitting our paradigms mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is a very difficult thing to do, but it's a very strong thing to be able to do. There's a responsibility the there. Of, of grief. Yeah, there's a responsibility to the possible future, right? Yes. There's also a, a, an, a responsibility to be open for life to unfold um, organically, right? To, to see the things that come your way, COVID comes and changes everything, right? Or, or you know, the company closes that you're working for. Whatever it is, you've, to be able to be flexible enough to say, I'm going to continue to explore life, right? And I, 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 think that's, I think that's a great sentiment. How, However, mm-hmm. that, that you don't get to that on the first day, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. and it could be months. It could be after three months of drinking mm-hmm. bourbon, you know, or, or however. And, and we have to, we have to give ourselves, we have to give ourselves permission to, to, to feel grieve. the loss and to yeah. grieve. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we are grieving the loss of our before times, well, that, you know, we are, and and everybody copes with that differently, and um, you know, we are. I mean, I I feel fortunate that the, you know the the loss of relationships in my life have not been because of death, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I have had friends who've lost lost husbands, and I remember one friend said to me that uh, she said. All of our, all of my plans for the future now. I have to, 
have to like figure it out without him. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I like these dreams of like what I would, where we would be when we were 60 would be together. And now this dream I have would not include him. And like to not include somebody in what you wanted to do together in the future um, was really uh, eye-opening to hear that. We had just, um, Armin and I had just completed um, foster care training to adopt through foster care. Wow. Um, We weren't ever able to have kids of our own, but he would have just been the most amazing dad. And so we, you know, looked through adoption, whatever, and came to wanting to adopt through foster care, had gone through the training, had had our first, they call them an interview. We weren't, um, luckily, we were not um, chosen as, as the family for um, the child that we uh, had interviewed for because just maybe less than a month later, Armin died. Oh, my gosh. Um, was it, and, I'm sorry, was it a heart attack? Was it a, an was accident? It was a heart, heart attack. attack. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Heart attack. Oh, my gosh. Um so yeah, having your having your life blow up is, is completely um, is is a mind blowing experience, um, and and it's also the, the gifts of it have been. I try to focus on the positive. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I can while being real about the pain of yeah. it. Yeah, um, but it does allow me a certain ability now that I've practiced like practicing love or practicing mm-hmm. um compassion practicing listening whatever it is sex mm-hmm. um I've been able to practice this rebuilding and refiguring and re um uh, evaluating the thing now I can go into a situation and still feel like I'm going to be okay no matter what happens mm-hmm. How that, long did that take you to feel that way? Oh, like yesterday. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> after, the podcast right. today. I mean, perfect. <laughs> and perfect maybe, timing. Maybe I'm not really, maybe I'm giving myself a little bit too much credit, but hopefully now I, I can feel like oh, it'll be okay. Um, and, and there's, there's a little bit of leveling out. Right. And I, I tend to like the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, life is more dynamic that way. Right. But there's a little bit of like Zen leveling out like that. Buddhist teaching about um, the farmer comes to his the Zen Buddhist teacher and says, uh, "It's raining. My cl- or my crops are they're drowned, and it's going to be horrible." And the Zen teacher says, "It'll pass." And then a couple weeks later, he comes and says, "My bounty is is awesome. It's better than I ever expected." And the Zen teacher says, "It'll pass." So that kind of leveling out mm. of response to what happens um it's good and bad you know Mm -hmm. it's not as high and low but maybe that's better well let's circle back to that um the societal perceptions of how a widow Mm -hmm. should behave and should feel and um you know let's talk about Let's let's just shatter those those Mm -hmm. expectations and how 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 you can be like a true friend, you know, what to, to somebody, you know, because Emily and I currently are not widows. Mm-hmm. How yeah. can we be good friends to, but we, we, but we have, friends. interestingly enough, we have multiple friends that are young widows. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, you know, 
What's a, I I guess I would start that conversation um, with, with this is that it's inevitable that that movie, the notebook, throw it out. Yeah. (laughs) No offense to anybody, but that movie pisses me off because um, you're not going to die together. Mm. Yeah. So it's a bit inevitable that one of you will die before the other. Someone will be left here. So this is, and the fact that we don't talk about it as a society and that we, we want to look the other way and we don't want to deal with this reality of life. Death is a part of life. Mm-hmm. Like being born, just like all yeah. of the other developmental steps. It is a part of life. It will happen. So it's, it's one of the greatest truths of life, right? Right. It's right. an equalizer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It's, a, it's an incredible equalizer. So that that's kind of the foundation that that it it will happen. Um, and in terms of what was it shattering expectations? Shattering expectations. What we expect yeah. uh, the widows and wid. I mean, we'll set, we'll just, just focus on widows because widowers. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just and and this would go probably for widowers too. Just yeah. shatter them all <laughs> yeah. because everybody's different. And everybody's marriage relationship or, or partnership or whatever um, is different. And each person is different and what they need is different. Yeah. And I, I guess the, the ultimate would be to just follow their lead, find out what they need, find out what they want, or maybe, maybe don't ask and just show up with something they might like or, yeah. um, or, or here, here's the hardest thing for people. Just sit there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just be with them. Mm. Yeah. Don't be uncomfortable with their yeah. grief. At the same time as um I do see one mistake is on this is kind of a big one. Um people put their own grief mm. on the griever. Right. Like, don't do that. Like right. like just like manage your shit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just be there as a vessel. Yeah. Just a, a human companion to sit next to the person who's in crisis. Sure. Don't be Just the person that's up. like, I know how you feel. This is what happened to me when, mm-hmm. right? Oof. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, it, or not as bad as. Yeah. Or you ought to. Or, I right. People, or when- I, I have people that, that I ought to continue with adoption. Mm. or when they have they want you to comfort them because they are grieving hard for your spouse that you've just lost and you're like wait a second and and that that there's a very fine line there right because uh i don't ever want anybody to hurt but i love when people here's here's the big thing talk about this person that's that's passed yeah love like like the thought about i didn't really love talking like when i was thinking about preparing for tonight i was like oh what am i going to talk about with widowhood but then i was like oh i can talk about armin unfettered um that's a really that's a gift to be able to kind of hold space for Mm -hmm. the grieving person to just prattle on and on Okay, so tell us something. Tell us something. Tell us some things about him that you just adore. Um, and this is this is the main thing about Armin. I'll try to do it without tearing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and his gift and hope. So I was, what was I? I watched a movie or something the other day, and it was kind of about who tells your story. And I thought, ooh, this is hitting me hard. 
Um, but his story is about loving people. He was the best at it. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing I can say about anyone. Mm-hmm. That they were just really good at loving people. And he was. <laughs> and there's so many things about him. He was a um Oriental rug expert and he loved the Green Bay Packers and he loved to barbecue and he loved to um do all, all those things, but mostly he just loved people. And that experience, um that's really important for today. Yeah. Um, we've got we haven't talked about this yet, but that especially in our um community right here. South city, especially in the service industry, a lot of people being called out, a lot of men being called out for inappropriate behavior. Right. Uh Um, And what I always think is that uh, men are, it's, it's, it's a complicated conversation for me to have because I love men so much because I've had this experience with Armin of being Mm. loved by a good man best thing in the world yeah and so many women have never experienced that experience yeah not from their father not from their brothers not from their um boyfriends boyfriends husbands husbands we haven't been loved appropriately and well Uh appropriately in terms of like appropriate affection appropriate yeah behavior loved well in terms of loved completely and loved for who we are. I had that. <laughs> wow. So that's a story that I feel like I need to put out into the world, like what it's like to be loved by a good man. And and yeah. it's important for like men and young men to hear what uh, what it means to love like a good man does. You know, what does like it mean to love like a good person? You know, what does all that mean? Because we don't want to be, we don't want to be uh, discriminatory on our podcast, you mm-hmm. know, because True. we have, well, we have same sex yeah. relationships and things. But I think it comes down to like, what does it mean to be, uh, what does it mean to love? And I remember, and I can't think of, I remember, but I can't uh, think of the, the guru or, or, or philosophy. But I remember reading one time that it is, somebody said you need to love and date or be in a relationship as how you would want to be treated. I know that's like what Jesus says, right? Treat others like you want to be treated. But really like if you can't, if you can't show up and be a, B, C, D, E for your partner, you can't expect your partner to be A, B, C, D, E for you. True. That's very true. And when you are ready to be those things to somebody else, then that comes back to you. Mm. Does that make sense? I think that that's like the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have done. But I think the platinum rule is do unto others how they want to have done or be loved. Love others like they want to be loved. Mm. And man, I mean... He he was the uncle you always wished you had, the mm. um, brother you always wished you had, or brother-in-law, the husband, clearly. The neighbor. Uh, the neighbor. Mm. He just was that person. Like, he had um, this innate understanding 
of like even my second cousin when when they met um she shared this story with me later and it was before he died um but it was that they they had just met and somehow he could sense that she had something on her mind so he just had a way with people i mean that that's specific to him but what it highlights is being able to sense where someone else is at and then respond in a way that's open mm-hmm. to them is so powerful and so healing and so selfless and kind of the essence of love. Then we need more of that. So what that it means pl- is you have to look outside and see how others around you are being affected because mm. and unfortunately in our current environment, we are actually walking and marching around and expecting, mm. not reaching out and saying, hey, how are you? How are you mm-hmm. feeling? But more yeah. or like stomping our feet. You need to pay attention to how I feel. Like all, you know, very, very selfish, very individualistic. However, you know, when Corona quarantine started, we were all in this together. You know, you had the Facebook groups come out, things yeah. like that. We were, we could all band together and it's just sort of wiltered apart because you know why? Not, no, this is not, you know why, but <laughs> um, it loving, although it's easy, it does take effort it, and dedication, yeah. right? It's very selfless. Yeah, very, it's very openness. selfless, but you also get so much back. You know, no, that's you, know, you, don't, gonna you don't love in a vacuum. And, you know? and this goes to back to the scarcity and the what about me and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff. Giving love away, just loving, mm-hmm. just that act makes you stronger. And being able to love, even when you know. And I don't mean abusive, Mm -hmm. but being able to love, even when you know there's nothing in it for you or um, this person may be gone tomorrow or they may may move on or they may decide they don't love me like like they love me right now or But it does come back to you. It does make you stronger. It does make you stronger. Giving love giving love is like doing the push-ups. It's like doing the well, right? If you if you if you're loving without an agenda you just love you know because i think when people are like well you know i like i like that's not love if you're doing it with an agenda that's not love but people will people misconstrue the two they're they're they and so i think 65 percent of our world thinks that love should be agenda oriented like i you know i my ex I, I husband think higher higher but i remember he said to me at the end of our relationship end of our marital relationship he was like he said i only do things if i think i'm going to what i'm going to get out of it oh for my you. god that's terrible yep you know so we we you know loving Yes, you're going to you're going to get back in 10, 15, 20 fold, whatever, hundred fold, but you can't expect it. If you're truly love, you can't expect, okay, I gave you that cookie. Why didn't you give me two cookies back? I mean, we're we're trying to get immediate gratification. Yep. And it doesn't happen that way sometimes. Not really what it what it's supposed to be. It's the experience of 
um, being there for someone else. Truly or- loving somebody is actually freedom because there are, there is no expectation on that person. And there's, and there's this freedom with that because you know that I have loved him, her completely and I'm okay with however any of this, I, I know I'm going to, I'm okay because I've loved completely and it's freedom and it's, and it's liberating. And when you have that experience, like you had with Armin, what a, what a gift for you yeah. and, and for everybody who's had that. And, you know, I didn't have this perspective when he was here. I was terrified of losing him because I loved him so much. Hmm. So the gift in a way, um, there there are gifts that come from from grief, and I think one of them is being able to just love in the moment. Just yeah. no longer be afraid if, of losing. Uh, so instead of occupying half your brain of like, oh my god, what if he dies? Or he leaves me, blah blah. blah and I'm and you're worried about that. Up? What if we break up? You're like, yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. So sure. I think we want. About shattering um, myths, expectations, mm-hmm. and then there was something else, well, which wait, I can't remember. It's okay. Because, yeah, it's because. Um, but um, but the I, I think the the one most important thing is um, as much as like every love story, every rock and roll song, muscle cars, um, a lot of fashion is all about like trying to to get this person that we love, mm-hmm. right? Trying to win the girl or win the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what? You know, like what happens there? We don't really think about that. We're just like, okay, we're set now. Yeah. Yeah. We got him. Um, but but on the other hand, what I, what I see from so many people um, is that while our culture is all like idealizing love and all that, most people are terrified of it because it, it can kill you. I mean, it, it, it the loss of it is so scary that people are so terrified. And so what I tell people, and this is going to sound awful, but this is how I say it is that first of all, you you don't, you can choose who you're with, but you don't choose who you, who you love. You just fall in love with them. Mm -hmm. You don't have to choose to be with them, but you don't really choose it. It just kind of happens. Mm. Um, So once you love someone, I'm just going to, because we're on this podcast, you can say whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Once you love someone, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. You're fucked because you already love them. Your heart's already gone. You've given them your heart. And the best case is what I had, sadly to say, (laughs) but the best case is, is that you live um, until, you know, death do you part. Yeah. But you will part. And the other alternative is that you break up. People are so terrified of, of, of giving themselves like over to a relationship because they're so afraid of breaking up. And I, my perspective is, well, you already love them, which means you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So either, you know, unless you die first. So get in there and do it but, right. So, so while you're in the middle of it, before you break up, before one of you die, um, Give it your all. Yeah. Like, give it your all. In the middle, don't settle for something that's miserable because you're going to be miserable later. You got, you yeah. got time for that. Yeah. That's yeah. 
So while you're in the middle of it, have it be great. Yeah. Have it be incredible. Have it be beautiful. Give it, be a hundred percent in. Don't, don't put a toe in and, you know, um, what, do, what do they call that in boxing? Uh, where you fake your punch? Um, I have no whatever. idea. Um, <laughs> where you, where you fake your punches, but like, just be in. Throw and a I don't punch? Mean to, I don't know. In, in terms of, of love, but like, don't, don't fake it. Like be all in. Oh, yeah. Love, love completely. Give it your all yeah. to give it a chance to be great. Yeah. I, I, I dated this the guy. Doom, the doom is coming. I dated this guy one yeah. time that we, when we first started dating, he was always talking about like, well, when we, when we no longer are together, when we break up, I'm like, why are you, con- why are you yeah. obsessed with when we're ending? You know, I feel well, like why, why is that like on the forefront of your mind when we should just be enjoying today? Yes. You know, it feels really dark, and I'm sure it sounds no, really it's dark. profound, Frankie. I, I think it's incredibly important what you're saying. Um, it's not the notebook, it will not be the notebook. <laughs> no, but if you, it, you can liberate it's, yourself, it, it's it's yes. you've got to make conscious choices to be where you really want to be because no matter but, what, it's ending, right. So make sure you're where you really want to be. That while you're here, yeah. while you're in it, while you have this person, that you're in it. Yeah. That you're in it and that this person is in it. And if they're not really in it, move then on. Then move on because yeah, there's but, another. But he might be in it tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, well, then deal with that. Right. I, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's all of those, those things we say to each other, yeah, you know, to sure. ourselves, you know. Story to like, we tell ourselves, we, we right? Keep- it, it is. It's so simple, right? But it really is profound. It is. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's a key. If I could get more people to understand that, I think people would be happier. I think people wouldn't waste the time that they have settling for a relationship that doesn't make them happy. Um, that's going to end in mm. anyway. Going to end anyway. Why are well, you miserable? Oh. Such wisdoms here from our widow friends, you know. <laughs> what a break. <laughs> so, you know. Wisdom and bourbon drinking. <laughs> we got a little red wine over oh, here, man. and the, and it's flowing, you know. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's super funny, but um, yeah, that that's the the key thing that I could say. Sorry, I just interrupted you, Michelle. That's all right. Emily does this it all is- the time. <laughs> I think in a good conversation, that's just always happening because we're like, yes, yes, oh, I can chime in. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. You know, I'm there with you. I've got the floor now. I have a point. No. Um, so let's let's like you know wrap this up on a positive, on a your your, you know, you are such a joy to be around and to have conversation with. And I cannot wait till, you know, we can be, do this in person in the after times, (laughs) three dimensional, (laughs) but uh, you know, what is, what is your love horizon looking like? I mean, are you dating? Are you running through the young boys, bringing them in, kicking them out, you know, are you, or are you like just buying a bunch of cats and having a bunch of cats at home? I mean, like, like, are you I, I, ready for 
love. that love again. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, usually I keep the, this topic pretty to myself. Yeah. But, we're on um, a podcast called Clitterly Speaking. That's right. So it's really just us. <laughs> it's just no, us girls. Yeah. 2,000 listeners, I guess I'll share with. Um, no, I, I, I am dating. Um, oh. Now that assumes that kind of Does sounds he like know? it's present. No. <laughs> Uh, I am. I, here's what I should say. I am available for dating. Okay. Um, All okay. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know that that's the the other beauty of having been loved well. And, and let, let's actually let's talk about this if we have time. You oh yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so having been loved well, sometimes men are very intimidated by that. Back to the mm-hmm. is there enough love for everyone? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of bring it full circle. Um. No one should be intimidated to date a widow because mm-hmm. dating a widow is actually awesome because they can love so much and mm-hmm. they've survived so much. So it's, it, it, it's not ever going to be a competition with the deceased. The, uh, yeah. They're dead. Yeah. You know, they're gone and yes, they were wonderful and it was great, but having survived that, means that I can love all the better. Now, not everyone survives it, but they're still alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's for everybody to figure out. But if you can survive that and, and, and really live and be open to love, it means your potential for love is infinite. Mm. So a lot of people have, have concerns about dating a widow, which is, bizarre to me but I guess I understand it but but not really honestly because I, I think well, it just comes from the of scarcity I, I, and, and I, I yeah. think that you run no greater risk of having the widow call out her a deceased spouse's name as if you were dating somebody who had an ex-boyfriend and she called out the ex-boyfriend's name I mean I don't think He's that still alive. and he's still alive so right. I don't think that there I don't think you're running a higher risk Somebody's going to call somebody else's name out on you eventually. And wouldn't it kind of be a compliment? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't right. it kind of be? A, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? oh, I mean, I, maybe, I, but um, and that it hasn't actually happened to me. But uh, it, you, know, you, know. Know. Uh, you never know. But it would be a compliment to think of you if know, you were the, fucking me like my my deceased husband used to fuck me. <laughs> that means you're pretty good, that right? Was, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing that, that when somebody dies, we tend to sanctify them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we shouldn't really do that. Um, he was a human being just like everyone else. He was really good at loving people, as I've mentioned. Um, but he was not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He was not perfect. Um, uh, okay. Well, let's uh, stop here. I want you guys to sanctify me, though, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm gone. I just want that. I mean, I'm putting out there now. You know, all of my. No exactly. Let's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Good. <laughs> Practice that. Yeah. Shrines yeah, are fine. I'm okay with that. Just put me right next to the Virgin Mary. Pour out the wine <laughs> like, right there. Like, like, like Madonna's <laughs> and Michelle. <laughs> you know, like we should make this my like dating profile. <laughs> you know, can love well. Uh, deceased husband was not a saint. Don't be afraid. For all widows, really shouldn't. But um, but no, right? Uh, You're ready. They, they were perfect. They're human beings, just like 
just, just like, like we are. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we are. But and we're not perfect. And but you're ready. You are ready for dating. You <laughs> are bring it. Bring it. Yeah. Yeah. Ready bring to exp- <laughs> ready to But you better be You better be what? Better be a good man. Better have your shit yeah. your, oh, your yeah. things together. Oh, sorry. Apparently it's time for me to go to bed. I don't know why I'm um censoring myself on this podcast. Better yeah. have your shit together. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you won't even have time. You won't give them time of the day otherwise. Because you, right. you life is short. So you're not gonna spend time on somebody who's not worthy. Not, yeah. not gonna make being in the moment with worthwhile. Be able to be vulnerable, be able to be real. Yeah. Um And I know that, um, you know, if you had a choice, Armin would still be here. But do you do you think that you have grown so much because of the pain and the, and the mm-hmm. loss of him? I'm a better person. Yeah, I'm a better mm-hmm. person for having lost him, which is really really so. In the arc of of grief. There, there's a, there's different milestones where you grieve again. Like it's not linear. You mm-hmm. don't just continue to get better. You you drop and then you get better and you drop and you get not yeah. better, mm-hmm. but it's you know, not so easier. But when the, the moment that I got, like, I was like, I don't know if I want to, I would like, it would be a really difficult choice for me to trade my life now. It was like, Oh, <gasps> And then I cried. And, oh, sure. Yeah. 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 It's a really difficult but beautiful thing to say. I'd go back in a heartbeat, but I love, and I love my life. Like, it's absurd. Yeah. Well, it's that when it's, I talk it's, the absurdity it's, of life. This is what I mean. Like, what would I, would I ditch everything and go back to Armin in this moment? I would say yes. But only if I could keep what I know. Yes. Yeah. Keep the knowledge that you've accrued, him. right? Yeah, of course. And that whole that whole idea is, is absurd because it's impossible. It's one that people so can relate to that haven't um, haven't gone through this experience. You know, you think about. I, I remember asking my mom when I was a kid if you could, you know, if you could go back and be in high school again, would you? And she'd be like, oh, God, no. You know, unless I could go there with the knowledge I have now, yeah. right? And as a kid, of course, I didn't understand that. As somebody who hasn't been widowed, you know, that might be a hard equation to to really dissect. Yeah. But, but I understand that, you know, through our trials— we grow and we gain knowledge and our hearts become bigger and our depth becomes, you know, even deeper. Right. Yeah. And so I I can completely appreciate that very scary idea. (laughs) You know, of course you'd want him back. Of course. But man, who you've become as a result. There's loss either way. I literally thought about this the other day. Um, I don't know why it came up, but it, it did. And I think it was driving or something, but I was like, I go back in a heartbeat. Oh, maybe I was in my old neighborhood or something like that. But then um, that would also be really sad because I love my life. Yeah. Yeah. I love my life now. 
there, there's, I think I was saying this to a friend. I was like, I wouldn't know you if this hadn't happened. Yeah. Like you wouldn't. Yeah. We would. We wouldn't be having this conversation. I, we wouldn't be yeah, having this we conversation. Two of you. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't know the two of you. So um, I try to not dwell in the what ifs. Yeah. Or the why. Avoid why. Avoid what. What if? Just. This is what life is. Mm-hmm. And this is what life was. And that was beautiful. And this is beautiful. And if this isn't yeah. beautiful now, what do I need? What can what can I do to make it more beautiful? Well, you have the knowledge <laughs> of the that and the this, and now you can create. You know, you can help manifest yes. the, the next I phase. Best whatever is coming, yeah. and that's the only thing to do. Like, if there's unhappiness with the what is, then. What would make it better? What would make it different? What would what would be happier? Yeah. And then that's where to go. Yeah. Well, this has been this wow. is absolutely fabulous and yeah. wonderful conversation. Um, <laughs> did we just lock up on? Oh, on Zoom. Oh, oh we're yeah. back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, but uh, like I was saying, this oh. has been wonderful, Frankie. Great conversation. Um, you are a gem. And yeah. a light and uh, a, a beautiful woman who I know I am grateful and thankful to be able to call you a friend. And I know mm, Emily absolutely. feels the same way. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming and yeah, your hearts. <laughs> yes, hearts all um, around. And, and, you. <laughs> and being vulnerable with us and sharing and your thoughts and your story with our listeners. And, um, you know, I hope you will come back again. Um Ab- Absolutely. And let's do it in, let's do it in real time, real, like yeah. 3D. Yeah. Yes. You know? Absolutely. I look forward to that. And thank you for um, giving me this, this platform and letting me come up and talk about all this. It, it, it's, it really is a gift to me, um, even though sometimes it can be difficult to talk about. Sure. Um, what's really difficult is not being able to talk about it. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. Yeah. So Thank cheers. You, Frankie. Cheers. 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 Love Stay to healthy. You. Cheers. Much love. Love you guys. Love you.